Okay, you guys, I've said this to you before, and I'm sure I'll say it again. I mean, I can guarantee I'll say it again. I know I'll say it again. But this one, <laughs> this is a great podcast. Fasten your psychological seatbelts because you're about to go on a ride you don't know you're going to go on. And be ready. If you're at any point freaked out or offended by the notion of underwear, this is not the podcast for you. <laughs> Hey everybody, Todd Conklin, Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. I am so darn excited to be with you. I really am. Today's a big day. I'm, this is a big day. I, did the teaser at all pique your interest? Because I would guess it probably did. There's no way around it. I can't even try to hide this. I can't sugarcoat it. Today's podcast is about underwear. Specifically, it's going to be about men's underwear, but some women's underwear sneaks in because, you know, we're equal opportunity uh, underwear talkers. So that's going to happen. That is something to look forward to. And when we get into the podcast, you'll see what I mean because it's a big part of what happens. I was going to just brief you up. Everything's looking pretty good. We moved that class from October to February. So you guys know that's happening. So that's just happening. I'll have more details on that as they become available. And there's a lot of pressure to make them available as soon as possible. So I'll get on it, I promise. A bunch of people have asked, is there a way we can get together and hang out? Is there a way we can do it? And that's probably the best answer I can come up with. I mean, that's that's a good answer for us to share. Other than that, um, what can I say? It's It's a crazy world, and we live in it every single day. And that is the plan. And stay alive. Stay healthy. Keep moving forward. I'm pretty sure things will get better. I'm not 100% sure things will get better because I used to say that and think they might. But nonetheless, that's the journey we're on, and so that's going to be a big part of it. So let's talk today about the pod that you're going to hear, the underwear pod, which I'm pretty sure is what I'm going to name this, but we'll see if it goes in a different direction. So here's a little thing you don't know about me. And I haven't told you because, you know, it's not really come up. It's not something that ever comes up. In fact, I don't think this has ever just uh, arisen in normal conversation. But uh, I am a tester for a large underwear company in the world. Now, also, they're large underwear because I'm a big guy, but it's the, the underwear company is large, not the underwear. Uh, you know what I mean? So, And they are in the process of designing uh, a set of underwear. It's a subscription service, and it's a set of underwear that you would – kind of like the underwear of the month club. I can't believe we're having this conversation. But th- that's that's besides – it's an interesting idea for sure, right? But what happened is a friend of mine through a friend, I, I was contacted by this lovely person – Tina St. John, you're, you're going to get to meet her. She's a part of it. And and she is actually quite a famous underwear designer. You know, somebody has to do this. They don't do them themselves. I mean, it has to happen. And she's worked for some some of the major kind of high-dollar fancy McPancy underwear. She uh, probably mentions a name or two during the podcast, and I just kind of left it in because it happened really quickly. And she's been designing underwear her whole career. I mean, that's what she does. And she designs, you know, kind of like the fancy Marky Mark underwear, like underwear underwear. And so when they called me, I I totally, you guys, thought this was a complete joke. I thought it was a goof because, really, you want me? No, this can't be true. But, in fact, it wasn't a goof. And sure enough, I started getting little deliveries of underwear. And I'd wear them, and then I'd get a phone call, and I'd answer questions about them. 
you know, the back's too short, the elastic's too skinny, the leg holes aren't big enough. The, you know, the kind of stuff you talk about when you wear underwear. And I thought, you know, this will there'll be one or two pairs and, and I'll be done with it, right? Not that it's a, it's a problem. It's not a problem at all. I'm not complaining at all. But it wasn't that way. In fact, it was quite the opposite. This was one of the more scientific, very thoughtful prototyping experiences I've ever been a part of anywhere. Now, I haven't had a lot of experience in new product design. I will tell you, although I'm not I'm sworn to secrecy, I was a secret pizza consumer in college, which was quite a deal. Once a month, I could order a pizza and the company would pay for it. And I just had to fill out a little Scantron form and tell them how good the pizza was. Did the driver have on a hat? Did the driver have on a name tag? Did the driver have on a jacket? That kind of stuff, right? So that's my entire history of product testing until the underwear story started. Now, I will grant you they're looking for a certain size of person. And probably they're looking for people who are willing to do it. I met both those tests. And once I got interested in what was happening... It became very, very, very educational. Not not the underwear part. I mean, I guess that's a bonus. But it was actually the process they used to prototype. And I was so interested because they would ask me questions and I would say, you know, this isn't right. The They're creeping down or the elastic's not strong enough or the back is too small. Wh- wh- whatever I'd say. And then pretty soon, a couple days later, I'd get another delivery and they would be another pair of underwear only this time all the changes that i talked about the last time were actually put into practice into place and what happens when you do that is you slowly but surely or maybe i should say carefully and methodically the underwear just got better and better and better now that is the very essence of prototyping an idea, of tri-storming. And, and one of the things that I think about all the time is that you guys all work in areas where you roll out these relatively big programs with the best intentions on earth. You're going to change the world. You're going to make the world a better place. You're going to make it safer, more efficient, more effective. You're going to do all those things. And one of the most interesting parts of this is that oftentimes we'll do these big bang rollouts without trying them. It's true. If, if you're going to write a new job safety analysis, a pre-job brief, one of the things you ought to do is write a bunch of little ones, send them out to a crew that will be honest with you, ask them what they thought. Is it good? Is it bad? Do we need to change it? Does it creep up on the back? Those kind of things. And then take that feedback, put it back into the process, and do a Rev 2 and get it out and see what they think. And eventually, if you do this well enough, you'll have a pre-job briefing document that is actually incredibly effective that the people who use it will have had a voice in forming and creating that very document. So it works. That is the power of prototyping. That's the power of trying something out. That's the power of testing. Micro-experimentation. We use these words all the time, and then suddenly, bam, I'm caught in the middle of one. No intention, didn't realize it was going to happen, mostly did it because I thought it was funny. I mean, it, it is funny. There's no question about it. But I was involved in a micro-experimentation for men's underwear. And it's been super interesting. Because I can tell you now, I've been doing it almost, I, I bet you almost a year. And the underwear they send me now are so much better than the, than the underwear they sent me a year ago. 
I mean, just worlds of difference, just incredibly different. And in fact, now they kind of got them tuned in. They're pretty much dialed in to what I think are kind of the perfect undergarment. And that is not a function of some designer being lucky or some smart manager guessing. That's a function of a bunch of people like me giving feedback to the product. They take the feedback, they learn from the feedback, and they improve the product. That is pretty cool. And so, here we go. I thought, I'm going to ask this lady who's in charge, Tina, I'm going to ask if she'll be on the podcast. Because I actually think she has much to share with us. Because she is the single best prototyper I've ever seen in my whole life. And she's done it her whole career. In fact, it's kind of what makes her successful. And the fact that she's able to look at and design underwear, well, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's a quite a talent. But the fact that she's also brave enough and curious enough and humble enough that she can send them out, have people wear them, and then welcome and accept feedback. She created an environment where it's absolutely psychologically safe for me to tell her the truth. No risk at all. In fact, it's almost the opposite. If I tell her the truth, the payoff is, is the next time they deliver underwear, that little comment is probably going to be incorporated in the product they want me to try. So I don't know how much you wanted to know about this. I mean, because I probably went a little farther than I should have in this story. But in fact, that's been the journey for the last year. And I've kind of wanted to tell you about it, but it just didn't come up. I mean, it almost never comes up. But now it's out. It's We're out and open and it's wide open and we can talk about it. I think you'll find Tina's pod to be incredibly interesting. I know I had a great time doing it. You'll love it because we did it a little outside, so you're going to hear some vehicle noise. But, you know, that's the podcast. I'm I'm not going to apologize for that. But I do want to get you excited because the next uh, 20 minutes or so, you're going to learn at the knee of an expert what it's like to try storm, what it's like to micro-experiment, what it's like to prototype, what it's like to test. So the way to kick this off is introduce yourself because honestly, I don't have the vaguest clue how to introduce what you do and not make it sound, I don't know, uh, underwear forward. (laughs) Okay. So do you want me to start? Yeah. Oh, we're starting. We're going, man. Okay. Uh, I'm Tina St. John and I know how to sew. And use a pair of scissors. So <clears throat> I went into fashion design and I actually, I don't even have to do, I don't have to even use fabric. I can look at anything and I can tell you how to make it and how to fix it. And if you give me a pair of scissors, I can cut out without even measuring the piece that is missing from your chair or your bulldozer or your pants. Um, so I'm really good at technical work. So I, w- I would add, if I can interrupt in your own description of yourself, <laughs> that not only are you good at technical work, but you must be visually really, really, really adept. You must be good at looking at stuff. Yeah, I'm really good at looking at stuff and I have really good spatial... Um, yeah. yeah, that's what I was looking for. You know, like I can tell you if it's going to fit just by looking at it. And then, and as far as clothing goes, if you have it on and it's not fitting, I can tell you, I can probably fix it with 
with you still in the clothing. Um, and that's like my pet peeve is it's hard for me to go out in public. I just look at people and I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> that's too funny. hold me back. I'm going to, what were you thinking when you got dressed this morning? I think people say that about me every day. Probably that's pretty normal. Well, so that's, oh no. that's especially here in Santa Fe. That's yeah, that's true. That's what you bring to the table. But how did you then parlay that into a career? Cause so it's I, been quite a career for you. I don't want to ring your own bell for you, but I'm pretty sure you're not going to ring it for yourself. <laughs> it's I true. Mean, you, you've done this for yeah. rather Let's significant. not talk about how long it's been. Oh well, no, God. no. We never talk about time, but you've done this for some really big sort of super popular organ, uh, not uh, companies, right? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. It, so when I first started, I was a designer. And back in the day, uh, you had to do technical work and be a designer at the same time. But in this new century, which I found out is they've separated the jobs. So you either know how to sew or you know how to draw pictures. Um, and it's really rare that somebody knows how to do both things. And probably not. It's And that's probably a bad thing. Separating thinking from doing always seems to cause a problem. It's a hu- I think it's a huge problem because the designers come to me with stuff and it's like, wow, that's a really pretty picture, but you know, what, what do you want the customer to be able to do in it? Does, are they running? Are they jogging? Um, this isn't going to work. That doesn't work. Ba, 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 ba. So <laughs> it's been my, so my design days has kind of turned into more, I'm a technical goddess. That's how I've listed myself on LinkedIn. That is fine. Um, because I can, look at something and I can tell you immediately what the problem is and how to fix it. Um, and most people don't like hearing that. That's a huge problem. And most people undervalue, well, I'm talking about the fashion industry and they just, they don't actually care about the customer. They just care about the price and how much money they're going to make on it. And so if nothing fits you, when you go out to the stores to buy something, that's exactly why, because they've never actually tried the garment on a person, a human a, being, a human being. And then they only try, if they do try it on them, they only try it on like in a medium. They don't try it on anybody else. So, so how did you get into, I don't know what you call it, men's underwear, which that <laughs> seems like that's going to get us an R rating kind of, and I, it, there's nothing R rated about that. It's not, well, you know, it's, so funny because obviously that was, I graduated in menswear because I'm totally into tailoring and suits and, you know, making perfect seams and, you know, but one of my first jobs, they did a lot of, um, leisure, like sweatpants and sweatshirts and stuff, but they also had an underwear line. So I kind of started doing that, not really knowing what I was doing. But then almost every company I've worked for has always had an underwear division. And most of the company is just like, I, can, I mean, it's terrible to say, are they like grossed out? They don't want to touch it. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to know about it. And it usually, but I don't, it doesn't bother me. You know, I want the underwear to be comfortable. That's the first thing you put on in the morning and you've got to wear it all day long. It better fit and it also better wash and it better last you like at least a year. So when I got hired at, um, to exist, I don't know if I should be using names. Anyway, they, it's okay. They, uh, they had a huge return problem and 
when they hired me, I was like, oh, well, I see exactly what the problem is. And then I fixed it. So they went to zero. Wow. And that's actually what's happening here in at where I'm working now in Denver. They are having a lot of returns. And I'm telling you, it's because they've, they left everything up to a computer. Actually, they had one of those. That's a big thing right now in the fashion industry is to use that 3D right. modeling kind of stuff, which is not a human being and doesn't bend over and doesn't do sit-ups. And so when your underwear is going down into your crack, it's because the computer didn't work that into the algorithm. Right. So <laughs> I'm... As you well know, I'm trying on all my underwear, all sizes, on everybody, because I want to make sure you guys are really comfortable in it, and it fits, and it works, and you're happy. And that's the reason I ask you to be on the podcast. <laughs> well, first of all, I can't believe I haven't had you on the podcast before, because, oh my gosh, this is the most interesting podcast ever. <laughs> but but I actually think, so you've said two things that are really important, and, and I want to emphasize them just in case we missed them. One is that when you separate the design from the application, you're always going to introduce problems into the system. Yep. Yeah, the, the, the clothing's not going to, the underwear are going to go down your crack. Yep. Or worse yet, or worse. fall down. Or fall down. In, yeah. Which, which is, has happened to me. That's the worst. That's the worst. <laughs> the second thing you said is your need to actually try these on real people, which sort of leads me to the reason you're here. I. I'm using Honest, your, you're my guinea pig. Well, I, so that is part of it. it I'm <laughs> sure I, I will have talked about that a bunch in the introduction. But I know very few people who are as good at prototyping. Or, or Gina, sometimes we call it tri-storming. But, really? But What's it's, that? It's, it's where you go out and try an idea oh. and see if it fits. Okay. Right? I was thinking it was T-R-I, not no, T-R-Y. Got it. T-R-Y. It's, I think it's a, a pun off of brainstorming. It, it's actually... It actually goes right back to your theory. Brainstorming is a theoretic activity. Tristorming is an applied activity. Absolutely. Tristorming. And you, you're, you're the best prototyper I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, well, thank you. Why do you value that prototyping so much? And, and ultimately, what are the secrets to effectively trying an idea in application? Taking an idea from design to reality and then testing that idea in the real world. What, what are your hints? What, what, what okay. hints would you give us? So I am blessed that I'm absolutely cuckoo. I have 10,000 ideas and I'm always willing to try them out. So when every company I've ever worked for, I'm like, they'll tell me what the problem is and I'll say, well, Actually, generally speaking, they don't actually know what the problem is. They think they know what the problem is. But then once we actually start talking about it, it turns out it's a whole other thing. So, and I usually have like three or four different ideas how to solve the problem. So, and as I've said, I can just take a pair of scissors and whatever it is that I need to cut and, and mock it up really quickly and get it on and I'm always there's always some sucker around who's willing to try it on for me cuz a lot of people are just as cuckoo as I am and and that's actually the really fun part I love that part because then once they're walking around in it or whatever you know wearing it or pushing it or carrying it or whatever it is the product is um I can see what the problem is 
and sometimes I'm stumped and it takes, you know what? The other thing too is if you have a really good team of people who are out of the box thinkers also, you know, and that's what's so awesome about St. John's here in Santa Fe that I went to is I kind of grew up with people who are, who let me think out of right. the box. And if I can interrupt yep. to, to sort of put an edge on that a little bit, because out of the box, I'm not sure what that means, but l- let me tell you what I think you said to me. Okay. And I could be wrong, so correct me because I'm ready for it. <laughs> but ultimately, you you developed and grew up and were educated with a group of people who valued the question more than the answer. Correct. And and so when I think of out-of-the-box thinking, especially for organizations, like say you're a pilot or a nurse or a doctor or you, you, you work in a refinery, the question's always more powerful than the answer because the question allows you that opportunity to actually create. Exactly. Whereas, whereas the answer actually kills the question. And so that that's what I think of when I think Except of that it, w- it, what you're saying. Right. Well, that's true, but there's always improvement. You know? Well, and that's the point I think you bring to the table is that spirit of continuous improvement. You may not think of these terms the way I'm saying these terms, but the fact that you'll prototype and prototype and prototype. And what you do is you, you send a product out, then you learn as much as you can about that product. Exactly. Then you change the product, then you send it out again and learn as much as you can about the product. That's amazing. Yeah. And what's amazing about that is is organizations throughout the globe – have sort of forgotten. The oh, they hate it. That, well, they've forgotten how to do it. Not, not, let me take that back. I think that's mean. I don't think they've forgotten how to do it. I think they think the world is so efficient and products have to move so quickly in order to make money and money's how we measure success exactly. that they no longer take the time to do the analysis. And I think the public just deals with it. Well, They're so used to being let down. But what, that other, they, what other choice do they have? Ex- exactly. Well, exactly. I mean, and that's – that's. A, so what – when you prototype a product, the first time you put a product out to a, a, a sample wearer or a test right. – whatever you call them, test subject, a person. Let's call them people. Okay. Uh, that's a good way. We're comfortable with that term. <laughs> do you expect it to fail? No, because I've – I have really, you know, put thought into it, especially, you know, maybe in the beginning, you know, in my 20s. Um, I didn't expect it to fail, but I hoped it wouldn't fail, and then it did fail. Right. But I'm, you know, I've been around this block so many times. Right. And I've, um, and, you know, I think it's just the way my brain is wired. Right. That it's, it the answer pops up in right smack in front of me. So it's, it's relatively easy for me to look at something and, and be able to figure out exactly what the problem is. And most people guessing would guess the wrong thing. Yeah. I get you there. And so question two on this, let me pull the string on this. Yeah. When it does have failure. So when the elastic's not right or the legs are too big or the, the, the butt's too small or whatever, does that, disappoint you or do you just see that as information i just see it as information and i and i try to fix it as soon as possible because you know at i'm usually running around saying abort abort because i put everybody to work on something and i'm like oh wait i just remembered something <laughs> let's, yeah. let's fix let's not do that so you don't see failure as the opposite of success no 
So it's, no. it's actually a really important idea to prototype so you can learn because learning is what make you, makes you succeed. Is it hard to do this? Do you Did you have to teach yourself to be patient? Did you have to teach yourself to do this? No, I'm I'm very patient. I'm married. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> I, um, especially dealing with factories, you have to be seriously patient because, you know, especially if they're in another country, it, it, it takes a while. I think also, you know, and I kind of mentioned this before is, um, then you have to explain it to your boss. So talk about that. I wouldn't even have thought to ask that question. And I mean, a lot of the, you know, back in the eighties and nineties, the, it was a big problem because they didn't want to hear about it. They didn't want to know about it. Almost every company felt like, what do we need a designer for? We pay them so much money. We should just get rid of them because I can be a designer. And it's like, no, you can't be a designer and you can't fit. You don't, you know, it's, it's not going to fit any without me, you know, fixing it, which they didn't understand. So did you have to train them? Did you have to educate them into? No, I always, it, it, that, as you well know, it's really hard to get anybody to understand anything because they're just so set in their ways of thinking. And besides that, they don't really care. You know, they're just, they just care about the bottom line and the money. Well, so how do you, how do you have that conversation? Cause you clearly are successful at getting them to understand the value you bring to the process. Well, it's a fight in the beginning. Yeah. And that then, makes sense. and then when they realize that suddenly they're making sales and there aren't any returns and the product is doing, they're like, Oh Jesus, maybe there is value to Tina. So that's a pretty, <laughs> that's a pretty good lesson though. I mean, that, and the lesson out of that is that. If we do our job, do our analysis, prototype, constantly improve, then what happens is actually operations get better, sales oh, get better. Oh, 100%. And, the, and, you know, men used to send me – I had a special pair of tongs on my desk for this. <laughs> they would send me their underwear that had finally given, given up after like 10 years of wear. And they were like, oh, I need this replaced. It's my – because, you know, I don't – I'm sure you're the same way. Boys are like, this is my favorite pair of underwear. Yes, boys are like we are that way. <laughs> this one pair. No, you're right. This is my magical pair. It's so comfortable. I don't think we're supposed to ever talk about that in public. I think we're breaking the code. So, so and I would always send them the closest thing I had to that obviously free because you know, it's your customer and you want them to return and they want to know that somebody's actually paying attention yeah. and somebody actually gives a shit and you know, that's generally what I tell people when I'm interviewing with them is I actually give shit, you know, yeah. I want this to work and I want your customer to be happy and I want it to fit amazing. And I would force all the big wigs in the office to wear their size so <laughs> that they could understand, they could see how much I, you know, how it was in the beginning to how it is now. And, you know, it takes a long time. I mean, that's a year, that's a year process of getting my fixes to the public for the first, you know, and then once, once it's out there. So this company I'm working for in Denver right now, um, believe it or not, their women's line of underwear did not have elastic in it. And I was like, 
have you worn underwear before? Do you understand how underwear works? Like, was the purpose here that it didn't stay on? Was that what you wanted to have happen? Like, just tell me and I'm, but they did actually want me to fix, fix it because they have a subscription service and they want people to come back and they want people to tell other people blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, and I'm, and I stand by my story. I'm like, hundred percent. Once my underwear, once we put the elastic in, <laughs> it stays on. I told you that was going to be interesting. Wasn't it interesting? I told you. I, I, I'm not a big fat liar. That was interesting. And what's interesting is just hearing somebody who does it. I, I tried to actually use our language when I ask questions to sort of build the bridge, but I don't think I even needed to do that. I think if you listen to this podcast all the way through, you completely were able to translate this into anything you do in your operations anywhere in the world. Um, and don't be jealous of me. I know you're going to be, there's going to be a lot of haters out there. Don't be jealous of the fact that I get, you know, two new pairs of underwear almost every week. It's, it's a crazy world. Um, it is the most underwear I've ever owned in my life. I'm probably going to have to expand my underwear storage capability, but that is a different story. That's the pod. I'm glad you listened. Thank you, Tina. Thanks for being a part of it. Tell your friends. This might be a good one to share. <laughs> Until then, learn something new every single day. Bet you did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other because that's important. Check in on one another because I think that's what we do as human beings. And for goodness sakes, be safe. Be safe.